Welcome to Share Public Health, the Midwestern Public Health Training Center's podcast, connecting you to public health topics, issues, and colleagues throughout our region and the country, highlighting that we all share in public health. Thank you for tuning into this series, where we explore the benefits of strong partnerships between public health departments and public libraries. This project is a partnership with the Network of the National Library of Medicine, Greater Midwest Region, the Public Library Association, the Prevention Research Center for Rural Health, and the Midwestern Public Health Training Center. We're so happy you're listening and learning along with us. Hello, um, everyone. My name is Noah Lenstra, and I am a professor of library and information science here at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. Um, in 2016, I started an initiative called Let's Move in Libraries, uh, and that has been the primary catalyst uh, to my work on public library, public health partnerships. Hi, my name is Trish Hull. I am a library manager in Salt Lake County for Salt Lake County Library Services. I am manager of the Kearns branch, which is a large branch. We're just newly built with a lot of interesting elements to it, a create space, um, a create kitchen. And our emphasis is really improving the health of our community. And I've been involved in public health for many years, working with our local group, local public health groups, our local community partners to really work to improve health. The communities I have worked and lived in have very poor health outcomes. And so we feel like the library plays a big role in trying to help our communities get active, um, reduce diabetes, heart disease, uh, all kinds of health issues that are prevalent in our very diverse communities. And it really doesn't seem to matter what your diversity is if low income makes a big difference in your health outcome. And that's what we, the problems we deal with and why I'm so interested in, in public health and how we can work together. So Noah, thank you for coming onto our podcast. Um, could we start this with you describing your involvement with public health and public libraries? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, my, my work has primarily been at kind of the research policy and advocacy level. So um, as a professor here in North Carolina, I got interested in some of the innovative uh, kind of health programming that libraries were offering, uh, things like uh, yoga classes, falls prevention classes for older adults, uh, a lot of things focusing on, on physical activity. Um, and uh, reducing health disparities around, uh, as you said, things like uh, obesity prevalence. Um, and as I, as I looked at that programming, I pretty quickly realized that most of it was being developed um, through collaborations of one sort or another, um, whether it's with uh, the local YMCA, the health department, uh, parks and recreation, cooperative extension, um, snap ad implementing agencies, the list kind of goes <laughs> on and on. Um, so it was really, uh, it, it grew out of my interest in kind of uh, trying to better understand kind of where, where were all these new programs coming from? Um, and, and the answer, perhaps unsurprisingly, is through uh, collaborations, through, through community partnerships. Um, and so if, uh, if I understood that topic um, and, and how it developed nationally, I, I became really interested in, in thinking about how do we better support this work? Um, we know that these collaborations are thriving in local communities, even during COVID-19, um, 
but there's really not a lot of discussion about that outside of local communities where where the work is happening. So how do we raise uh, raise the conversation from kind of just idiosyncratically local partnerships into a national movement? Um, and that's where kind of the advocacy element of my work um, uh, derived. Um, and I'll just add really quickly, I have a, a particular interest in, in rural communities. So I'm actually uh, on the partnerships committee for the Association for Rural and Small Libraries. Uh, and I grew up in a rural community. Um, and so I'm particularly interested in, in how do we how do we do this work um, in rural communities where the needs are often the greatest, but the resources are the smallest. Um, and so that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Why do you think these partnerships make sense? What about public health? and public libraries makes them good partners? Yeah, so that's a great question. And, and I really, I think it's kind of a perfect storm uh, that's kind of been brewing from both sectors, kind of converging. Um, and so on the public health side, uh, there's, an, there's a concept that's been around for a while now called public health 3.0. Um, and, and it essentially focuses on, on fostering and supporting more multi-sector public health work. So the idea is that the public health professionals are not necessarily doing the work by themselves. They're, they're really harnessing community partnerships to, to foster cultures of health and address social determinants of health. Um, so that's on the public health side. Um, on the public library side, I think we we now, I mean, we this is not new, new to public librarians, but I think we're increasingly recognizing that libraries are kind of multi-purpose community centers that, that really um, do a lot. Um, and I'll just share a quick quote to kind of illustrate that. So Sarah Campbell, who's the executive director of the Portland Public Library in, in Portland, Maine, um, in a recent webinar, uh, she said the following, um, libraries are quintessential sharers by definition, uh, sharing is central to how we operate. And that pretty much uh, everything a public library does uh, is, is done through partnerships in the community. So increasingly, we know that the partnerships are, are where it's at. Um, but there's really, uh, there's, there's a, there's, there continues to be a lack of kind of understanding, uh, I think, um, in kind of the public library profession writ large about partnerships. We know partnerships are important, um, but there's there's not a lot on them. There's a lot on community engagement and community needs assessment, but there's 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 kind of a dearth of of understanding of of the process of starting, forming, sustaining, and if need be, ending community partnerships. So that's that's the public library side. So there's um, and I I hopefully I but that that's why I think that makes sense. It's kind of there, there there's just convergence on both sides to the recognition that multi sector coalitions and multi sector work is where it's at. Um, but we're both trying to figure out how to do this um, because it's new in some senses for both of us. So let me ask you: You're a professor, um, a library school professor. Do you teach a class on this? Have you created a toolkit? Do you have a a plan to help those new librarians and then? Maybe we can figure out a way to share it out to us old librarians who are, who are in that. Although I will say, um, when I got started in this, the first few times I would talk to public health people, they were kind of the ones who would say, oh, public libraries, we never thought of that. And so the, once we got that relationship started, the, the collaborations have just come out of the woodwork, right? They just can't stop coming to us saying, hey, what about this now? Hey, we got some money, how about this? And the funny part is you guys get all the, the public health side gets the money. Public libraries don't get the money, but we have the, the reach that public health is looking for. 
So I think it's really, I agree with you, it's so critically important. But how do you how do you tell your students to to create these partnerships and what would be a good first step for libraries to do? Yeah, so, so thanks, Trish. Uh, those are some great points. And, and I want to start by just commending you all in Salt Lake County for the work that you did. Um, so I actually attended a session on suicide and overdose prevention that featured your, your director, James Cooper, at the, the 2020 meeting of the Public Library Association. And I was impressed by what you just said. It, it starts with relationships. You can't do anything if you don't know each other. That's the foundation of any partnership. Um, and, uh, and James at the conference, he talked about how pretty much everything that Salt Lake County Library has done grew out of um, uh, a program uh, that the library did in collaboration with Healthy Harriman that focused on CPR classes at the library. So you do one thing and, and things snowball. That's, that's, that's the nature of the beast. Um, and, and things can snowball in all, all kinds of directions, but it really starts with relationships um, and, and, and kind of compelling people um, using both carrots and sticks to get to know each other um, because you, that's, that's the foundation. Um, so to your question about kind of my, my teaching, so um, uh, work in progress. Um, so this is kind of something I'm currently working on. Um, I do teach uh, a class on advanced leadership and management that focuses on project management and libraries. Um, and, and most of the projects I, I, I try to encourage my students to do through, through partnerships if they're working in a library currently. Um, but uh, I recognize this is this is a, this is something that we and library and information science need to do better at, um, and so I would say it continues to be a work in progress. Uh, my hope is to, um, based on one of the research projects that I'm doing currently, uh, have at least um, a rudimentary toolkit uh, available. Um, hopefully in the fall, hopefully by, by fall of uh, 2021, um, focused uh, explicitly uh, on kind of partnerships around uh, the promotion of healthy eating and active living, um, which is the main thrust of my research uh, currently. But, um, but yeah, so uh, I, I, I certainly take your point, Trish, that this, we, we also have a lot of work to do in LIS education and, and we're trying to, trying to get there as well. I had an interesting conversation recently with a group of health educators, well, health people in all sectors, and we were talking about through the pandemic, we weren't able to do um, health fairs, right, and get out there and meet the public. And as we were talking about effective ways to get information out, we realized that health fairs really were not very effective as far as getting to the public, but they were hugely effective in networking that we, we liked more the time we spent walking from booth, booth to booth, meeting all of those different health groups and then creating those relationships. And for us, that was the more important part of those health fairs. So it seems silly to go to a, create a health fair for us to meet each other, but that might be an interesting way for um, to, to meet each other. And, and Trish, if you don't mind, I'd actually like to just jump in on it because I, I completely agree. And, and that's actually been one of the central findings and, and what I hope to be kind of a central component of the toolkit is um, a health fair is a really low stakes way for folks to get to know each other. So librarians going to health fairs, uh, libraries hosting health fairs. Um, it's one of the easiest and best ways to kind of begin to build relationships. And I've seen it uh, play out again and again in communities across the country. Um, and so my advice for public health folks uh, if, if you're doing a health fair of any sort and you're not including your library, what, what are you thinking? <laughs> I mean, what, what, what's going through your head? Like, uh, and, and kind of like, how can we, how can we change your perception? Um, 
because uh, I so health fairs and then kind of uh, what I've seen grow out of those low stakes uh, getting to know each other is um, uh, librarians getting involved in health coalitions. So the example of healthy Harriman in Salt Lake County, so librarians actually serving on, on committees, getting involved in that multi-sector work. Um, uh, so it's, it becomes, and, and that's really the key, I think. It's not so much about kind of one-to-one -one partnerships between local health departments and libraries. That's not really the answer, I think. Um, it's more about kind of uh, libraries kind of getting in the mix and, and being invited to be in the mix uh, as it relates to multiple sectors of society working together to improve health outcomes. Yeah, I, you know, that's really true. I think um, sometimes people go into library school thinking, oh, it's all about the book and having people come to the library and helping them get a understanding that, that it's way more than that. And they've got to learn that you can be part of that coalition and offer to be the secretary or the note taker or maybe even be a president or vice president, take a leadership role. And I like your, your advanced leadership and management course isn't just for that in the library, it can be in coalitions, it can be throughout the community that you become that leader. And then it kind of, what the, there's a back and forth that helps public health, but then it helps libraries because if you're in a situation where you need money, you need bonding or a tax, some mm -hmm. kind of tax, you know, people are coming to vote on a, a bond or something uh, um, or a tax increase, that's the word, sorry. Um, it's really good to have public health say, hey, these are our great partners. This is important. You need to support these libraries instead of just, oh, we're all about the book. And we are, we'll always be about the book and information, but that partnership has become so critical in sustaining the needs of libraries. Yeah, and Trish, let me, let me just follow up because I completely agree. And I think one of the reasons why there's some resistance within libraries uh, is there's a perception that libraries are being asked to take on ever more roles while getting nothing back in return. Um, and I think exactly the way you framed that is, 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 is wonderful. I mean, I think it's really about kind of uh, seeing that um, you're not just giving, you're, you're receiving um, and, and really see kind of how, how these partnerships um, really in, in a fundamental way contribute to the bottom line of, of public librarians and precisely that way. Now you have folks uh, in the health department who are gonna go to your, your city council or your county commissioners and, and talk up the library, do that in both public and behind the scenes ways. Um, and so I've, I've seen this in my work. Uh, so we'll just give a quick example from a rural community in, in Eastern North Carolina, um, where when, when the library director uh, took over the library in 2012, this particular library, it was dying. I mean, there was a real concern that it was gonna be um, absorbed into a regional library system and cease to be a municipal library. Um, and beginning around 2014, the library director said, uh, the key to our future is kind of getting involved in the community. Um, and so that, that included doing things like um, working collaboratively with Parks and Recreation on, on helping them support their annual Cals to 5K initiative, uh, bringing library materials to the Cals to 5K runs and the library director actually participating in those runs. Um, uh, it involved kind of working with the Cooperative Extension to bring uh, cooking classes to um, families that involved working with uh, the local school district to begin serving summer meals. Um, and there's, uh, but it just, there was uh, so much that snowballed from that. Um, 
And, and fast forward uh, eight years later, this, this dying library um, successfully raised the funds that it needs to build a brand new building that's going to be completely state of the art. And that, that's the story we need to be saying. It's not about kind of you, you poor librarian are being asked to do more with less money. This is your future. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you, you, you can choose to accept if you want, but there's no, there's no, there's no alternative. Uh, in my, in my opinion, this is, this is, this is where it's at. This is where it's going. Um, and, and let's, let's get on board with that. That's yeah, absolutely. I really like that story. And I think that's important for all of us to learn. So talk, let's talk about rural libraries for a minute more um, because I think that's a really important aspect. Most rural libraries really do have poor funding. They, they struggle. They just don't have the money that maybe urban libraries do or larger county library systems. And we're fortunate in that, but how, how can public health, and is it, I guess my question here too, is it, does public health have the same problem in rural areas or are they funded better than libraries are? And is that a way how can they help each other besides what you've just described? And, and what do you see as the biggest challenge for those rural libraries and, yeah. rural, public health and rural public health? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a really great question. And I'm trying to think about kind of the most concise way to uh, respond to it because I have a lot of <laughs> things kind of bouncing around in my head. Um, I mean, I think I'll just give give an example from another rural community here in North Carolina that I've been I've been working with for the past couple of years. Um, and this this particular library has a really close working relationship with their local health department. Um, and this is in one of the most economically impoverished parts of the of the state, um, kind of foothills of Appalachia. Um, uh, the, the community is so poor that all school children are automatically eligible for free uh, lunch and breakfast. Um, and so, so high needs um, and, um, and, um, and but, but yeah, so I, I think kind of uh, key to their success was uh, actually a third, a third party. So the library and the local health department, they didn't uh, get connected kind of, again, in that one-to-one -one sense, they got connected. Um, because of uh, a multi-sector community foundation um, that was focused on improving health outcomes uh, in the county. Um, and so that, that community foundation was the one that connected uh, the health department to the library. Um, the partnership began around the library becoming a summer feeding site because there was such high prevalence of food insecurity in, in 2015. Um, and it was so successful that the, the following year that the health department started working with the library to distribute market bucks. Um, the health department ran a mobile uh, farmer's market. Uh, so transportation, of course, is a big issue in rural communities. So they didn't have one farmer's market. It was kind of um, take it around the county. Um, and uh, and so uh, folks, um, the, the hundreds of kids who got uh, free summer meals at the library each summer, their families also got market box that they could use um, to get free uh, produce um, from the mobile uh, market. Um, and, and the relationship became so close uh, that during COVID-19, when the world turned upside down, um, I asked, uh, I asked uh, the, the health department in an interview, tell me about the challenges that you've had working with your library. And his response to me was so profound. Uh, he told me what challenges we have had, we've addressed as a group. 
So this was no longer a library program. This was no longer a health department program. This was a community program that had the involvement of the health department and the library. Um, and so um, they, that's, yeah, they, they figure it out together. Um, and I think that's, uh, I mean, it's, so we have a lot of work to get there, but I think if we could find ways to make, make that, that type of relationship more prevalent across America, um, our, our health would be so much better and, and rural libraries in particular could do so much more uh, with, with the funding and resources that they have. That's, that sounds really amazing. And I like how that third party helped bring them together and recognize the library was a, could play a role there. Um, I guess I have several questions. One is, how do we, do you think we can get our leadership to recognize this and to support people going out and making those connections? It doesn't have to be the, the director or of the library. It can be on a branch level. It can be a, a, a librarian. It can be anybody who makes that connection and, and brings it forward. But do you feel like there's a problem with leadership not recognizing the importance of this? I think there can be. I think you're absolutely right. There can be. So just thinking about that same kind of Appalachian foothills community um, before COVID-19, um, like a lot of rural communities in Appalachia, there was extremely high rates of uh, opioid overdoses. Um, and so uh, the library wanted to uh, have naloxone on site um, and also train staff in administering naloxone. Uh, North Carolina, uh, like a lot of states, have uh, legislation that basically uh, protects public employees from liability if, if, they if, they, if they need to provide naloxone to people experiencing overdoses. Um, but the, the county commissioners who control the library were extremely opposed to this. They, they thought this was not at all something libraries should be doing or that their, their public library should be doing. So they basically quashed it. I mean, they, they basically said, no, you're not doing this. Um, the library director, to her credit, said, well, even if we can't do this as an institution, I'm going to do it as a private citizen. I have the right to have the lockdown in the library as a private individual. I'm within my rights. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to do it. Um, and so, and honestly, I think that that director and kind of like her willingness to, to work around the rules um, is, is remarkable. Um, and I think uh, in the communities I found, um, this is kind of, I mean, there's always going to be concerns. There's always going to be pushback. Uh, but if, if we have librarians who are, are gung-ho to that level, um, yeah, I mean, you find a way to make it work. I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> I mean, public librarianship is all about kind of finding ways to make things work given, given the resources and constraints you have. Um, so I think just uh, just firing up uh, public librarians about, about public health, I think really, I mean, it's not gonna solve everything, but it, it, it can go a really long way, I think. And, and I've seen, seen it in, in my research, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm interested in the research piece. What kind of research are you doing on, on public health? Yeah, so it's, it's case study based. So, so my approach is really to do deep dives. Uh, right now I'm doing kind of deep kind of case studies in 22 communities um, across the US. Um, focused on kind of the, the types of partnerships that they're doing, um, mostly, mostly focused on, uh, like I said, um, uh, healthy eating and active living. Um, but in North Carolina, um, I'm also looking at broader health outcomes. So looking at things like opioid overdoses and, and mental health. Um, 
So, um, but yeah, so, I, and I think that case study approach for me, I think is really important because the, the, the heterogeneity from community to community is so broad that I, I think really the only way to understand this um, is to go dive in head first uh, into particular communities um, and come up uh, with some of the, the general trends that you're seeing. So, so some of those trends include, like I said before, kind of, um, uh, multi-sector coalitions and the importance of intermediaries often and in kind of uh, sparking the relationship so it's not necessarily health departments and librarians kind of spontaneously connecting but perhaps a community foundation or a third party organizing a health fair that invites both entities or partnerships for children is a common one that I've seen um, kind of bringing together librarians and, um, and health department uh, personnel. The other thing that I've seen in my research, uh, and one of the things that I really love uh, is the opportunity to talk with uh, partners of librarians. So, so people in health departments and other organizations that have worked with librarians for, for multiple years. Um, and as I talk with them about kind of their experience working with librarians, one of the things that I found um, is that over time there's an evolution in thinking about libraries. Um, unsurprisingly, oftentimes people before they, they had thought about libraries, they, they just see them as, as book repositories. Um, that's yeah, that's um, a, a widespread um, stereotype and, and misperception. Um, over the course of working together and getting to know libraries, they, they then kind of typically will see libraries as resources. Um, they're stable, they're trusted, people trust libraries, people trust librarians, um, they're always there. Um, and then uh, based on that recognition, uh, the, the public health departments or other partners will begin to see libraries as spaces to utilize. So, oh, the library is trusted. So we can use the library as a space for food distribution. We can use them to deliver the naloxone. We can use them for programs. We can use them to host our coalition meetings. But over time, over time, uh, eventually in many cases, they get to what I see as the highest level, which is true partnership. So the library is not merely a resource, it's not merely a space to do whatever you want to do. Um, the library is an institution populated by librarians who can be the ideal community partners to help you figure out how best to serve your community. Um, and, and one of the examples that I like to share uh, comes from uh, Maryland. Um, where uh, the library, uh, the librarians in, in this community in Maryland um, have worked uh, collaboratively with the local health department on kind of a community coalition and this very um, high needs community kind of um, adjacent to Baltimore. So it has a lot of the same needs that you see in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and uh, so very high needs and, and the librarian, uh, very high levels of food insecurity, lots of food deserts. Um, and so uh, as, as, as part of being uh, on the same coalition together over multiple years, um, the librarian has become a true community partner. Um, and one of the manifestations of that uh, is that the coalition decided we need a food pantry in this community. There's no food pantry easily accessible. Let's, let's start one. And they quickly realized, oh, we're going to need a lot of volunteers to make this work. Um, and so how do we how do we manage this volunteers? Um, and the librarian raised her hand and said, we we can't do anything without volunteers. And the health department's like, what? 
I didn't know librarians had expertise in volunteer management, but of course they do. Um, and so the, the basically the volunteer management plan for this new food pantry was uh, a partner, yeah, something that kind of collaboratively developed. Um, but just thinking about that, like a library is not just a resource. It's not just kind of the stable, trusted, safe space. It's not just a space to use to do whatever you want to do. The library is librarians who are partners who can help you figure it out. Um, and I've seen I've seen health departments get there in particular cases. But I know talking with people in public health in general that there is a vast um, a vast gap that needs to be filled. Um, and so you asked me about LIS education. I would actually like to see uh, libraries more explicitly in masters of public health programs. Um, and I'd also like to see libraries more explicitly part of the structure of the American Public Health Association. And, and one way I think we could do that, so within APHA, uh, they actually have a caucus on public health uh, and faith-based communities, uh, give it based on the recognition that churches and faith-based communities play such a, a vital role in public health. Um, and I think there's a space for a similar organizational entity around public libraries, uh, given everything that libraries currently do, um, and that would really highlight at the national level um, uh, the opportunity associated with uh, more explicitly um, including public libraries as, as and public librarians more more specifically as public health partners. That's really interesting, and I'd like to talk to you more about that because I I think that's really critical. I know that you know we've gotten involved with the national the network of national libraries of medicine, but we're still working in that library world, right? We've kind of we're the medical library association, so we're. We're combining that health and library piece, public library piece, but we're still in that library world. And to move out of that into the uh, public health association itself, that sounds like a really awesome way to do that. I, I want to look into that more. I've, I loved your stories. I think that is really important. You know, you said libraries were a trusted place. During the pandemic, one thing that our library, we had a lot of people who were home, right? Who couldn't go into buildings and work. And the health department was slammed and needed all the help they could get. And so we had librarians going out as health ambassadors to different restaurants to give them information about COVID and the safety requirements and what they needed to do to stay open. We had, Utah was kind of partially open and so a lot of places, but they had to follow some strict requirements. But what was so fascinating was when the librarians who spoke these languages, they were going to maybe Asian restaurants, Spanish restaurants. And so we had librarians who spoke those languages and were going out to talk to them. When they saw, they heard the words health department, they got very like, oh no, uh-oh. Because for them, a health department visit is not a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a scary thing. But mm -hmm. then she'd say, no, 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 library, library. And then they go, oh, okay. And mm -hmm. so then they would listen to us and, and get the information they needed because we weren't the scary health department, even mm -hmm. though we were we were the library and so it just it was really funny as my I had one librarian who was very involved in that and she'd come back and tell me stories and it was pretty funny how the fear just immediately drained away when they learned they were a librarian so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's really critical uh I, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about diversity mm -hmm. and and libraries and public health um we've done a couple of and we're starting another one here where we're trying to bring in community members from diverse populations into the library itself in order to give accurate health information. Because sometimes as people walk in, if they see me, middle-aged, white, 
librarian, I'm not as relatable to them. Have you done any research on that? Have you been able to have any partnerships to see about bringing in diverse populations so that we can get this information out and, and really make a difference? Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a great question. Um, I'm trying to think about the the best way to respond to it. Um, I think the, so. The example that that comes to my mind uh, and it's really a powerful um, example of that reach. Um, so one of my one of my communities that I'm working with is in Maine, um, and so in this Maine community, the partner was uh, the central. Um, Anyway, it was a health coalition. The name is escaping me, um, but they they received funding through uh, a university to be a, a, a SNAP-Ed implementing agency. So um, SNAP-Ed implementing agencies, one of the things that they're charged to do is to do a lot of um, uh, classes and programs on nutrition uh, and other, other health things for people who receive SNAP benefits. Um, and uh, uh, a couple of years ago, um, that through that coalition work, uh, they got connected to the public library. Um, and so uh, uh, unfortunately, they were only able to do um, a few classes before COVID arrived, but uh, the classes that they did uh, in early 2020, according to the, the person from SNAP-Ed, she told me, these, I've been doing this for a while here in this county, uh, and the class at the library had the most diverse participants I've ever seen at any, any, any SNAP-Ed program I've ever done. Um, I mean, everyone from Iraqi uh, refugees that had recently resettled um, in the community to um, older adults, even teenagers. Um, and so she was blown away. She was like, wow, this is I've never seen anything like this when I when I go and do classes at like community centers or public housing complexes. Um, the library truly is a, a space that, that brings in everyone. Um, and so, um, like I said, I've, I've been doing case studies, so I don't have any kind of um, um, quantifiable data about the reach of libraries for these public health partnerships, but I would say anecdotally, um, I've definitely heard both from librarians and from public health partners uh, that they're working with uh, that um, there's a, a widespread perception that they're dramatically increase, increasing their reach um, to vulnerable communities by working with librarians. Um, but I also think that to your point, Trish, I think that is something that deserves a closer study really. Uh, and, and honestly, I think one of the, the biggest things that I think we need is, is better framework for evaluation. So um, I'm sure you know <laughs> in Salt Lake County, and I know this as well, that uh, the idea of evaluation and assessment in public libraries is not not great, <laughs> even on the best day. Um, and so, uh, I mean, we, we can count people that come to programs, but we're really not. I mean, it, and it, it's, a, it's in part a funding issue. I mean, it takes time to do evaluation. And we certainly don't have the skills to do a full-blown public health assessment, uh, which is something much more <laughs> complicated than I even knew about because it's not my not my universe. Um, but one of the things that I've been working on currently, so um, uh, I'm part of a, a group called the, the Physical Activity Policy Research and Evaluation Network, um, which is funded by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, and one of the things that we're talking about currently is trying to figure out a way to, to do better evaluation of in particular uh, programs that the public libraries do relating to increasing physical activity, um, uh, specifically in rural communities. Um, 
So I think like uh, like a lot of the things that we've been talking about, this is <laughs> another another area that needs uh, better 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 research, uh, evaluation, and assessment. Um, but I, I think I, I honestly believe uh, that we're not going to get to that stage of kind of really being able to to quantifiably say here's here's how libraries are increasing the reach of health departments um, until we first kind of begin that that conversation about. Um, yeah, because it's that's kind of I see it's a little bit further down the road. We first need to do some more preliminary work. Um, yeah, focused on on building building awareness. Um, and 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 so as you know, Trish, uh, the, I mean, within the library world, kind of the lead health actor is the national the network of the National Libraries of Medicine, which is part of the National Institutes of Health. Um, and they're great. Um, I have no no beef with them, but. Uh, to my money, I think the, the better uh, entity to be reaching out to is the Centers, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, so uh, through uh, attending a, a conference called the Active Living Conference, um, um, first in 2019, uh, and then I attended again in 2020, and, and I'm planning to participate in the virtual conference this April. Um, I've gotten connected with a lot of people in the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, uh, and there's huge interest in libraries within the CDC, but there's there's currently almost no uh, interinstitutional linkages. So I see this reaching out to the CDC, which at the end of the day is really the main federal entity focused on public health in America, um, is something that I think urgently needs to be done. So that's really fascinating. You just took me in a lot of different directions there. I think that data is really critical, especially when we're trying to talk to our whoever we report to our government entities, maybe, or our administrations or whatever, if you've got data, you can really sell your program or whatever it is you need to do. Um, so I would really love to see your research out there published so that we can use that, you know, the, even if it's just the case studies, that can be really helpful too. A lot of times city councils really get case studies better than just numbers. So it helps to have both, but and, and one, I had a question a little bit about data and then I wanna to get to the CDC point. Um, the, the part that we struggled with, so I did a partnership with a, with a health department and they, they wanted those numbers and it was, did having this community wellness liaison who was Hispanic and another one was from a Pacific Island community, um, they wanted us to know numbers. So how many Pacific Islanders came into the library and how many used the library more and, and they wanted us to dig down into this data, but we were like, wait a minute, we're a public building. I can't ask people coming mm -hmm. in what their mm -hmm. race is, what mm -hmm. their gender is, what their age, you know, we're, we're totally so not that group. And they, mm -hmm. they really struggled with trying to get this hard data. And, and there was a little bit of a conflict between mm -hmm. public library values and health department values, because they mm -hmm. have no problem asking people all that data and information, right? Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to, to help them understand our privacy lines mm -hmm. and freedom of information lines, and they were trying to get their data. So do you see a solution to that in any way? Oh, gosh, uh, that is uh, a very um, tricky, tricky wicket, uh, for sure. Um, I mean, one thing that I've seen some libraries uh, think about is to really have kind of memoranda of understanding that really uh, make it explicit that kind of who's, who's actually doing this program and kind of, um, and so I'll give one example. So, uh, and one of the communities in Illinois, uh, after, after working with um, their local uh, health department, they realized um, 
that they they really can't given given food sanitation laws they can't do the type of kind of food cooking classes and serving uh, that their that their partner wanted to do um, and so their solution was to actually do it outside they had a mobile nutrition ban um, and it's like well based on our understanding of the law we can't actually do this in the library given <laughs> I don't know food we don't have the, the permits to do this type of food program but. Uh, I guess after a review with uh, the, the city council, you can do it in the parking lot because that's not seen as kind of, even though it's owned by the library, it's, it's seen differently. Just um, so, um, no, I, I mean, I think, uh, I, I really think those things, they have to be kind of negotiated on a case by case basis. Um, uh, but I, I think uh, where, where I see success, uh, it really, uh, those kind of negotiations where they occur, they really uh, emanate out of a, a place of trust and mutual understanding. Um, and so uh, I think there's going to be um, that's that that's a thing that, that I think is going to have to be kind of idiosyncratically local. Um, but um, yeah, I think I, I think that the best thing is to just uh, have have that that mutual understanding. Like here's our values, here's your values, here's what you need, here's what I need. Um, let's work together to find a middle ground. Um, and something that's going to be mutually beneficial for both of us. Um, and if both actors um, are committed to the partnership. Um, you're going to find a way to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of my, that would be my, my thoughts on that question. So how do you think we could build a relationship with the CDC getting back to that? I, cause I find that fascinating and I, you know, I've got partnerships with a lot of people, but I, I don't think I've ever really interacted with the CDC. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, I think it's, it is kind of in a way it's for, for librarianship, it's kind of terra incognita. Like, uh, I mean, the conversations I've had with CDC folks, like um, they had never interacted with, with libraries or librarians either. So it's, it's very, it's very new. Um, so I've been working uh, mostly with uh, their physical activity division. Uh, and so they have uh, an initiative called Active People Healthy Nation, um, really focused on kind of, um, uh, their, their goal is to help 27 million Americans become more physically active, um, and there's a big national campaign. Um, and so they've been featuring some stories of librarians uh, on, on their website uh, that I've been feeding them. <laughs> and so they're, they're really interested in kind of thinking about kind of how libraries could be more a part of this. Um, so within the physical activity group, they actually have uh, a working group on the built environment. Um, so I'll be speaking to them about, about libraries as, as a key part of the built environment um, and, and policy systems and environmental change um, in October. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, I mean, so that the kind of entry point uh, is that, um, uh, that one of the CDC's big initiatives uh, that predates Active People Healthy Nation is something called um, Connecting Safe Routes to Destinations. Um, uh, and so the idea was people should be able to get to places like libraries, not only by jumping in a car, but by walking or bicycling, uh, using a wheelchair. Because um, uh, we know, and the CDC knows, that uh, ultimately kind of changing, changing physical activity behaviors, it's not, it's not just like offering a yoga class, it's really changing the built environment <laughs> to, make, uh, to make physical activity the easy, obvious, and fun choice. Um, and so, um, so there's big interest in, in libraries being uh, accessible for people however they want to get there. You don't need to necessarily jump in a car to get to a library. Um, and so, um, 
Yeah, I think there's uh, there's that was kind of where where my connection with the CDC began because they they had kind of libraries as part of their connecting safe routes to destinations initiative, uh, and from there it's just kind of snowballed um, into a broader conversation about about public libraries and, and the promotion of physical activity uh, across the country. Can you connect us to how a local library or a, a library system could connect to the CDC? Is that through their health department or could it be, is, how is the CDC structured? Is there somebody I could call in Utah that maybe they have yeah. a CDC rep? I'm not, I'm not even sure. I doubt many of us know how the CDC, I know they're in Washington. But, no, know, they're, they're actually, they're in Atlanta. So the oh, CDC, they, yeah, yeah. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so no, how I, could I, as a local person, connect? And, and maybe the maybe it is, again, through public health. Maybe they have those connections with yeah. the CDC. They might. Uh, I mean, so I mean, the CDC, like uh, like the National Institutes of Health, um, which is more focused on the healthcare side. So I see NIH. I mean, they both do public health, but National Institutes of Health and the, the Network of National Libraries of Medicine is essentially healthcare. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's their their main focus. The CDC is public health, um, and NIH is more more traditional clinical care, and and then things adjacent to that. Um, and so. Um, yeah, so CDC uh, being kind of the, the main national public health entity in the U.S. Uh, is extremely broad and complicated. Um, and so, uh, but one thing I've been promoting, so within the, the Active People Healthy Nation campaign, uh, they're actually encouraging um, uh, community champions to join them. Um, and so uh, I could put a, share a link afterwards, but you could actually join uh, the Active People Healthy Nation campaign as a community champion or as an organization to kind of um, uh, get connected to the resources that they're, they're uh, getting out to, to really encourage people to be more physically active and to really work uh, collaboratively to, um, like I said, change the built environment uh, and, and advocate for complete streets uh, to make uh, physical activity the easy, obvious, and fun choice. Um, so, uh, but there's, there's other divisions. I mean, they have, uh, I've also had some conversations with folks um, in, in their nutrition. So they have, um, uh, there's a, a big focus on obviously nutrition and food. Um, I mean, there's there's sections of CDC focused on health equity. Um, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of different uh, sectors of of the CDC. Um, I'm not sure if yeah. So to your question about how do we get connected to them, um, I think that's. Um, that is a, <laughs> that might be a longer conversation. Um, I mean, I, I think so, so since I work at the national level, I've, I've just been kind of like working individual contacts. So I've kind of over the years moved from kind of individual people from the CDC that I met at conferences trying to really uh, extend uh, their awareness of libraries. Um, and, and the CDC's awareness of libraries, at least the people I talked to before I got connected to them was, was pretty low, um, probably about the same as your, your typical librarian's knowledge of the CDC. So there was a, a pretty stark lack of um, mutual understanding. Um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where, where to end that. Uh, I mean, the CDC is based in Atlanta. They, I mean, most of their staff is in Atlanta. I mean, they have staff uh, across the country. They're, they're interested in, in libraries. Um, um, 
Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't know if I have really recognition or advice for kind of a, a local someone in Salt Lake County like yourself to kind of directly reach out to the CDC. Um, I mean, you could do it through your health department. Probably the, the better route would actually be to work through uh, a state agency. So um, the Utah, I, I'm sure I'm sure Utah has an office of rural health. Um, I, yeah, I would say probably your state contacts would be better better avenues if you wanted to, to get directly connected to the CDC, because I think local health departments are probably also, I mean, they, they probably get information from the CDC, but they're not directly connected to them would be my understanding, but I may be wrong because <laughs> that's not my universe. They probably, yeah, we do have a State Department of Health. So it's interesting, uh, as you were talking, I thought, we're librarians, we can figure it out, right? <laughs> We do know how to research and, and find answers to things. Um, but I really like that idea of that connection, I think. And, and I love the NNLM. We've worked so long with them and they provide some great funding for us. Um, and we wanna keep being good partners with them. But again, going back to those partnerships, um, what do you think are the defining characteristics of a successful partnership? How can the public health person out there listening and the librarian out there listening what characteristics can they develop to make that a successful partnership? Yeah, um, uh, so that, that's a great question. So a few things uh, come to mind. Um, I think probably first and foremost is just that that kind of open relationship based on trust. Uh, so a relationship that's characterized by a lot of give and take. Um, if people have new ideas, they immediately think of their counterpoint uh, in the library or in the local health department. Um, that example that I shared about the, the kind of starting of a food pantry in Maryland is kind of uh, a great example of that. Um, so yeah, there should be opportunities for people to pitch ideas to one another, kind of brainstorm. Um, uh, and, and really that all comes down to trust and relationships. Um, uh, I think there should be opportunities for librarians and public health professionals to see each other on a regular basis. Um, uh, and so that could be done through kind of individual meetings, but um, uh, I think it, it happens a lot more effectively through multi-sector coalitions. Um, uh, whether it's a partnership for children or a health alliance. Um, yeah, um, uh, in one of my communities, uh, the local hospital actually has something called uh, area community partnerships where they bring together nonprofits um, uh, on a regular basis um, to talk about the, the overlaps among the work they do around health promotion. Uh, United Way is often a common one. So I mentioned uh, when we first started talking, I started talking about the Portland Public Library in Maine. Um, and at that library, uh, a United Way coalition has been the, the primary way that the library has gotten connected with uh, health department folks. Um, so just, uh, yeah, so give and take, trust, uh, mutual understanding, um, uh, opportunities to engage with each other on a regular basis through things like community coalitions. Um, um, yeah, those are, those, are, those are probably the things that I would say characterize successful partnerships, kind of trust, uh, trust and, and opportunities for regular engagement. So I really like that. I'm, I think the coalitions is a huge way. And another interesting way that I've been involved is through our local chamber, the Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and because a lot of times you'll have hospitals, mm -hmm. medical clinics and all different kinds of health groups. I haven't seen a lot of public health people involved in their chambers. And I mm -hmm. think that might be a really good way for them to get involved too, but it does yeah. provide that opportunity to see people face to face. 
Yeah, and Trish, that's that's a really excellent point, and uh, and I've heard that as well. So it's been less. Um, so with chambers of commerce and downtown development associations, you're right. Like a lot of libraries and in my interviews, they talk about chambers and, and DDAs being really important for forming partnerships. Um, but it's usually not with health departments. It's usually with say like if there's a local yoga studio in town, like <laughs> that's been a common thing I've heard. Like uh, someone's starting a kickboxing or a yoga club or whatnot. And, and the library librarian meets them at the chamber of commerce meeting. They're like, hey, you're trying to start your business and we're trying to promote healthy lifestyles. Why don't you come down to the library and do a demo of, of whatever yoga, kickboxing, whatever it may be, or local, if you start a new restaurant, do a cooking class. So chambers have been really great ways for libraries to connect with the business community and, and to bring uh, new, new opportunities for folks to engage in, in healthy uh, habits through um, uh, programs facilitated by, by the business community. Do you have a vision of where you would like to see public libraries and public health in the future? Yeah, um, I mean, what I, I mean, really, what I would like to see is kind of uh, a scaling up of kind of some of the, the places that are really closely tied together. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if, like, uh, the CDC um, and the Institute of Museum and Library Services had the same kind of open lines of communication uh, that. Um, that we know already exists in, in local communities. Um, uh, I mean, so yeah, so thinking about how do, how do we scale this up? How do we move from kind of uh, things happening in particular places across the country to a true national coalition? Um, and, and there's a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. And it's not just on public health. Uh, I've, been, I've been kind of working with the National Recreation and Park Association, where they also know that there's huge opportunities associated between uh, park and recreation agencies working with librarians, but they also know it's it's something they don't know a lot about. Um, so a YMCA is another great example. We know YMCA is a frequent library partner, but I also know talking with someone from YMCA's headquarters in Washington, D.C., that they're largely oblivious to that fact. Um, so it's really how do how do we scale it up? Like how do we how do we how do we move from kind of local partnerships that are doing amazing things and and kind of relationships that are rich and have endured across years to um, something that's more more national in scope? Um, I mean that's really my my vision for for libraries and librarians to truly have a seat at the table at the national level and conversations about the future of health in America. Wow, that's a really I think you just encapsulated the whole conversation. You know, we go from the small little rural library that that actually thrives after having almost died because of a partnership and a coalition. And we know that it works on the broader, maybe more county level, the larger inner city level, and then we move to the national level. That's, you know, I never even thought of that. That wraps up today's episode of Share Public Health. We hope you will join us next week for that last episode in our mini-series as we talk with a group of public health and public library professionals from different organizations across the state of Iowa who are engaging in public health and public library partnerships. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Share Public Health. Thank you to our host, Trish Hull, the Network of the National Libraries of Medicine, the Public Library Association, the Midwestern Public Health Training Center, and the Prevention Research Center for Rural Health. This project is supported by the National Library of Medicine of the National Institutes of Health under award number UG4LM 
0-800-201-2346. The content is solely the responsibility of the authors and does not necessarily represent the official views of the National Institutes of Health.